Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. It's time to start talking about final positional rankings for the 2019 NFL Draft, and we're going to start doing that here on today's show. Kyle, welcome. What's up, Joe? Just don't mind me if if you hear me humming. It's just Old Town Road, okay? Yeah. So we've had. Two different conversations today on the phone before we even recorded this podcast. The first one, you greeted me with that song playing. Yeah, I thought I thought you weren't on the other end of the line. You were just yeah, getting it, it queued up. No, I actually had it all queued up. I had my my microphone muted and it was playing, and I forgot <laughs> to unmute my microphone, and then it just kind of came roaring in. Yeah, once I unmuted my mic, and then you revealed to me that you are listening to the one hour loop of Old Town Road. On YouTube. The Billy Ray Cyrus version. Man, uh, this is between this and Game of Thrones kicking off on Sunday. I mean, your life has got to be good. You, you finished the draft guide, the great new song, your your favorite TV show. No, right now I'm just worried about Old Town Road. <laughs> focus, focus on the things I can control. It, it got me through my last two nights of publishing, so oh. <laughs> it's, it's ingrained into my brainwaves at this point. Do you, do you want to know what's gotten me through uh, dra- uh, my my reports this year? Yeah, I would love to know. There's always there's all, I'm not going to tell you the last two years because that does not need to be public knowledge. Uh, but the the uh, Brooks and Dunn. I'm guessing you not familiar couldn't name a song, but sounds like a men's suit store. <laughs> they're a very famous country. They're like the the Florida Georgia line of '90s country. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, me too. Well, they're pretty good. Pretty good. So this was like these they were like the original. Well, and I'm sure there's somebody that predates them, but like this was like the first like big time duo in country music, and I've just been ripping through their old songs for days now. Uh, previous two years, yep, not telling you. Um, Why? Because I'd make fun of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> just be a little surprising i think maybe i've told you this but i think you would remember if i did tell you though okay we'll talk about it off the air yeah off this is an off the air conversation on the air on on the air we're gonna talk quarterbacks and running backs today and um let's let's do it Uh, what do you want to do i like our format here yeah you know we we you and i when we called originally and i took my horse to the old town road uh we talked about (laughs) 
how we wanted to present this information because we've laid out the calendar from now until the draft, Joe, and we have we have the calendar booked every single day between now and draft day as far as what our content plan is for draft dudes. So today we're doing quarterbacks and running backs, so backs, offensive backs. Uh, tomorrow will be pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends. Uh, Monday will be offensive line, and we have takes on takes, and then we have defensive line on Wednesday, linebackers on Thursday, Friday is defensive backs, and then we have we're bumping takes on takes to Monday the twenty second, and then we're doing Battle of the Board Super Show uh, two parter on Tuesday and Wednesday before the draft on the twenty fifth. Lit. So what we've done is we've decided, okay, how do we want to present this information? Because it needs to be a different experience than Battle of the Boards, which if you guys are new to Draft Dudes, Battle of the Boards, Joe and I just tear each other's big boards apart. <laughs> just just shit all over them. We're going it's, two days this year, too. Yeah, I know. It's going to be bad. But uh, <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to read in reverse order five through one of our top five at each position. We'll take turns announcing who those players are. We will then we'll provide some substance during that, that conversation as well. Then we'll read through the entire list. This is the, my full list, and then we'll talk about one day three player that we would pound the table for at each position. Ready. I'm ready for it. Okay, so since you won the um, dueling mocks, would you like me to read first here for quarterbacks? Yeah, reveal I, my five. I, first. I do. I do want you to go first. Okay, uh, my five. If you guys downloaded your free free copy of the 2019 NFL Draft Prospectus, you know this already. But if you didn't, I'm going to reveal my number five right now. You can swing over to DraftNetwork.com and download that free 320 page draft guide if you would be so inclined as well. Um, is Will Greer from West Virginia, which is interesting because I've spent the last couple of months talking about Will and the dynamics of his play and what I like and what I don't like. And I really struggle to find like what that offensive system is that allows him to be a quality starter in the pros. But ultimately will has enough hot stretches in his game and he's got enough, uh, cojones, if you will, (laughs) that I, I really like those components of will. And I think will's like, an ideal backup quarterback. He's a little wild, right? Um, I don't think he plays particularly well within structure unless it's a lot of off coverage and easy reads, but he's a gamer. He's really tough. Uh, I like that he has a little bit of mobility to him. I like that he's not afraid to take some chances. And uh, I think West coast offense for him is, is where you really minimize some of his issues but I don't think he has the overall consistency with his ball placement skills and throwing mechanics uh, to be a high-level starter there. So uh, that just means this isn't a great quarterback class, but we knew that already. So Will Greer is my QB5. All right. My, my QB5, Jordan Tiamu, quarterback from wow. Ole Miss. Yeah. Really like what I saw here, and I think what I what I sided with over because he, you know, when after number five for me, you get into the Will, Will Greers and the Ryan Finleys and the Jarrett Stidhams and those types of prospects, and I think what I appreciated most 
about Tiamu is maybe some untapped potential here because when you watch him play from just a throwing perspective, he's so clean with his mechanics. I think his ball placement's pretty solid. He gives you the frame and athletic ability that you really like. And he came from this high school offense that Ole Miss ran. And I do think it revealed some issues with maybe field vision and and understanding coverage rotations. But when I can get him in more of a progression style system at the next level with some, with some development and, and, you know, NFL caliber coaching, I think that there's just a ceiling here. That's intriguing to me more so than the Will Greer's and the Ryan Finley's and those types of prospects. And so those reasons really elevated him to be outside of the tier of where I really see starting potential. So for me, Jordan Tiamu, he's, he's a fourth round grade. So, I mean, it's not like he's, somebody I'm really enamored with, but I just feel like there's more intrigue with him than a lot of these other quarterbacks in, in this portion of the, of the draft. You see a little Marcus Mariota in him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of when I watched my initial reactions, like, wow, like the mobility is definitely there. He's got a big time army can push the ball down the field when he wants to. He's just much more rough around the edges and had the benefit of throwing to two potential first round wide receivers and another guy in DeMarcus Lodge who's probably around four or five guy, but he's really, really likable in his own right. So, and, and uh, super high character. Like he's a guy that, yeah. that the coaches there rave about teammates rave about him. And so, I mean, you just got to put that all together and say, hell, why not? Valentine's day is just around the corner and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by manscaped manscaped is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year, or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the manscaped perfect package 3.0, whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there, or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Okay, so what was your um, – was anybody like close or was it Tiamu and then Big Drop? So for me, uh, I mean, I have I have three other quarterbacks graded in the fourth round, but he's, uh, I guess, a higher four where the others are kind of bordering on a four or five. Okay, okay. Now I'll, um, I'll take my four here. This is Daniel Jones for me. Uh, the dynamics of this one through four have really shifted 
for me throughout the entire process. There was one point when I first got done watching all four of these guys. This was back in because I'm eager on quarterbacks. I gobble them up early in the process because I enjoy watching them. And uh, there was a lot of intrigue in this year's class for me. Uh, Sometime around the Senior Bowl, going into the Senior Bowl, I had watched and noted all these guys. And I had Jones third, Drew Locke fourth. Uh, Jones was the one when I watched the tape the second time. I felt exactly the same way I did the first time. I have a third-round grade on Daniel Jones. He's my 63rd overall player in the class. He's my QB4. The Ryan Tannehill thing makes a ton of sense. And having experienced the limitations of Ryan Tannehill for six or seven years, uh, that greatly concerns me as far as what his ceiling is and his ability to to handle pressure effectively and extend plays. Uh, It just it never comes easy. It, it never looked easy. So he's an easy thrower in the quick game when the primary reads open and he's getting a favorable look and he reads exactly once before the coverage and he gets into his drop and his back foot hits and the ball's out. That's when it was easy. But as far as like holding the ball within the pocket or looking to throw vertically down the field or sliding and making a first arriving pass rusher miss, like all of those things just naturally looked hard. And that's a big red flag for me. That was where I couldn't, I couldn't, vet those issues enough to get excited about well he is big bodied and athletic and he has the physical arm strength to push the ball down the field a little bit and you can do some some pretty vanilla but you can do some quarterback run concepts with him those things weren't enough for me to get past what I think are some pretty fatal flaws I think he can be an average starting quarterback in the pros but I don't think you're going to win a playoff game with Daniel Jones as your starting quarterback yeah, Daniel Jones also for me, my number four quarterback. Uh, you know, I don't want to kind of rehash a lot of the stuff that you said, but um, what what does give him some appeal is that he does give you that underrated dual threat ability where he's a legit runner. Like, and that's going to really help him because I don't think he's really proven himself in a progression style way. And, and you know, consistency with ball placement down the field has been erratic. But when he can be his own check down at times and, and take off and, really incorporate that into what he does it kind of adds another layer to what could make him successful and you know I I know that we we make fun of the stupid stuff like about him being David Cutcliffe's uh understudy and that he's you know got the right size but you know he, he does right and he has good intangibles and and this there's there's a there's a blueprint for him to be a quarterback in the NFL I just yeah I think he's one of those guys though that you get him and he's going to be one of the best 20 or 25 in the league, but you're probably always going to be wishing you had somebody else. That's a great way to put it. Do you think having experienced how Josh Allen had some success in Buffalo this year? Cause you, you were quick to talk about the dual threat ability and how that can be a weapon. Do you think that's, you know, giving you any extra optimism on Daniel Jones that maybe you would have had a year prior? Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Seeing that firsthand, seeing uh, a high variance passer become difficult to stop because of what he can do with his legs was something that, you know, opened my eyes. And and we've had some good discussions uh, amongst our staff with the Draft Network in learning from Josh Allen this past year about, you know, look, I mean, it's not all conventional. He doesn't necessarily always win the ways that we want to see a quarterback win with, you know, efficiency and accuracy and that type of stuff. But all those types of things in terms of being able to move the change and extend plays, 
really do, do matter within the frame of, you know, moving the football and, and actually winning games. And so it's opened my eyes a bit to see that element firsthand and how much it can help overcome some of the concessions I think you make elsewhere as they continue to evolve as a player. And Daniel Jones has had some really impressive games where he showed that dual threat ability. I mean, obviously the North Carolina game this past year stands out, but yeah, I think that's another layer that's important and it matters. It's going to make his, his offense better. Okay, Joe, I'm, I'm going to make my analysis on QB three brief because I believe we have the same QB three and I'd like to leave a little, little meat on the bone for you. Yeah. We don't have the same QB three, but we do not No. Okay, well, my QB3 is Dwayne Haskins. That's not mine. Oh, <laughs> you surprised me. Okay, so then I'm going to go into another long-winded rant. You're supposed to laugh there. Thanks. It hung me out to dry. <laughs> I'm just wondering how we're going to get through running backs in a reasonable amount of time here. We will get through running backs in a reasonable <laughs> amount right. of time. So Dwayne Haskins, my QB3. Um, prototypical not a guy like even Daniel Jones you can bank on his throwing ability, but Haskins' arm, I think, in the middle of the field uh, really flashes and pops, and I think he's got enough velocity. that can, He can really drive those throws in there and be effective throwing into the teeth of the defense where I don't necessarily trust Daniel Jones with great consistency to do that. I think Dwayne Haskins, his best, his best balls are between 11 and 20 yards where Daniel Jones, I think, is between the line of scrimmage and 10 yards. So Dwayne's got nice velocity, like his deep outs and those far hash throws. Those are the kinds of throws that I think his his arm velocity shows up. But I'm not a big fan of his deep ball. So he's kind of weird in that way, right? But a guy that's not super mobile, he can climb the pocket, and he's effective climbing the pocket. You've seen him sustain his balance as he does those things, but he's – not a very effective runner. He's certainly not on Kyler Murray's level. He's not on Daniel Jones's level or even Drew Locke's level. So as the top four quarterbacks, I think he's the worst mover of the group. But he's better within the pocket than Daniel Jones. I think you're getting a, a, a solid starter, but I don't think you're getting a star in Dwayne Haskins. My QB three is Drew Locke from Missouri, and they are they are separated by one one hundredth of a point on my board. Oh, get the hell out of yeah, here! I knew I, they were close. It was really really close, and I, I think when I talk about them, I feel like I like Drew Locke more. But <laughs> there's part of me that can see some of that upside with Haskins as well. Um, for Locke, you know, I, I really love how he grew this season, particularly as it went on. Um, a guy that you know, my first exposure to Drew Locke was that game against Florida in like 2015 where he was – I mean, his stat line was like 4 of 22 for like 20 yards and three interceptions. I mean, he, had not, the Nate, he had the Nate Peterman line. Dude, it was <laughs> – that was worse than anything Nate – I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that was terrible. But, yeah, I remember, that, was my first, that was my first taste of this guy. And so whenever we, he kind of like became more of a name throughout the, like the years of – of him playing and, and t- talking about him as a prospect. I'm like that dude that went four of 22 against Florida. Oh man. And, and Quincy Wilson and uh, T's Tabor both had pick sixes in that game. But anyways, there, there's appeal with, with Locke, and I like how he's gotten better. And, and I really kind of like his mindset. I like some of the chances he takes with the football. He, he does have the ability to hit throws down the field and, and um, he's got some mobility to him. He's got a really strong arm that he can make every throw. You know, there's warts with him though, too. Right. I mean, like, uh, you think about his mechanics. He's got some real his arm slots, man. They they are so funky to me. 
Uh, and even for a guy that's what six four, six five, he's got a fair amount of balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. And I think a lot of that's because he, the, where he slots his arm, he's kind of has like sidearm to like three quarter delivery. A lot of times um, under pressure, you know, he really does drift quite a bit and, and that's concerning. And, um, you know, he still is a, a work in progress in terms of working progressions and understanding coverage rotations and where to go with the football. So I, I think that he does have a ceiling as, as an adequate NFL starter. Um, and I like his growth. I, I just, I mean, this, that's where we're at with this year's quarterback class where there's, there's good, there's bad. You, you see a chance for them to be a starter and, you know, throw that dart and see what happens. So I'll keep my, I have drew lock QB too. Uh, Locke is 39th on my board. Uh, when I first watched Drew Locke, I thought he was Paxton Lynch. Ooh. By the time I got to the end of watching Drew Locke, I'd upgraded to Jay Cutler. <laughs> okay. So like that, that's kind of the spectrum on, on the evolution of my progression because my first exposures to, to Drew Locke this year, the first time I watched him, I watched like Alabama game. And he had a really nice touchdown throw against Alabama, but by and large, that game got off the rails. Um, who are the other big time teams they played earlier? Georgia, played Georgia, Georgia, and he was trash against Georgia. I'm like, dude, this this dude is wild. But um, you you start with, I think the Kentucky game, and go forward. They played Florida in that stretch of games. Uh, really settled down really nice the bowl game was was terrific you know the bowl game was like the game you you'd hope he would come out and play every single week and uh that second half of the season with a new offensive coordinator i got like a string of like five or six games and i watched them in succession i'm like okay like some positive momentum he's doing things a little bit better it looks like he's more comfortable in the offense the arm talent's clearly there it clearly flashes so I think he's got more of a ceiling than Dwayne Haskins because he is more mobile. I think he's got a much better deep ball than Dwayne Haskins does. Uh, he wasn't as consistent as Dwayne, but I think his ceiling's higher. QB two for me is Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Um, you've, you've summarized him really well. I think what if I you know the silver lining with him and what really you get excited about is maybe just that there is untapped potential here. A guy that's only started for one year and he does throw a pretty football and you know, he's his ability to slot those throws to all those talented receivers he had at Ohio state is, you know, is something that I really appreciated. And, and I think he got better and he did things that no other quarterback has ever really done at Ohio state or really in the big 10, just a historically great season. And um, you know, you just kind of buy into that idea that he's, he can get a lot better and there's, there's upward momentum for him. And so, you know, I think that he probably has a higher ceiling than Drew Locke, but he probably also has a higher floor, if that makes a lot of sense. But, um, you know, he, he's worthy of a chance. And, and uh, I think the the unknowns about where, where he can develop and grow really get me intrigued with Dwayne Haskins. Do you know who the last Big Ten quarterback was to get drafted in the, the first round? Kerry Collins, 96. That's crazy, man. Yeah, totally all crazy. Of these, all these schools, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan – Michigan State, <laughs> none. It's like 20, 25 years it's almost. Not, it's unbelievable. I did Haskins, some, go ahead. I was going to say, I did some work recently on Kerry Collins, and, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but what a wild situation he had when he got drafted. You realize he went to my high school. Oh, well, so at, one, at one point during this offseason, we got to talk Kerry Collins. 
Yeah, I got some. I got some good stories. Right. Okay, we'll, we'll save that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So QB one's Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray for me is thirtieth on my my overall board. Um, so I, I understand the big play potential. I understand why there's some appeal, but I personally, if I was a decision maker, I would have a really hard time vetting some of the restrictions that his height does infuse into his passing game. And you can sit here and and point me to all of the, uh, stats about lack of bad passes at the line of scrimmage as much as you want. But I think it's undeniable that Kyler throwing intermediate balls over the middle of the field, his accuracy is severely impacted because he has to throw over bodies and uh, he can throw around people and he's got the arm talent to make some of those plays work. But it wouldn't be a player that I'm lining up to draft with the first overall selection. I, I am excited about his upside, but for a player like Kyler, the price would have to be right. This is not a, a player I'm going all in on and investing very heavy or very heavily into because I, th- there's a lot that can go wrong. And as uh, somebody on the outside looking in, these draft assessments for us, they're risk assessments more than anything else. And there's a lot of incurred risk with Kyler Murray. He is super explosive. I love his arm talent, his ability to make some some splash throws and generate a lot of zip with a quick quick trigger and get the ball out. All of those things are present, and they're really exciting. But the size, the durability, the issues in the middle of the field because he has to throw over bodies, and he was not an anticipatory thrower for a lot of the season. He had some fleeting moments of it, but this was not Baker Mayfield out here throwing the ball. By and large, Kyler was throwing to guys as he's seeing that they're uncovering and they're open. So I think there's a much more of a developmental curve with him as a passer as well, Joe. This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, Kyler Murray, QB1 for me as well. I mean, just kind of strip it down to the basics. Arm talent, really good. Explosive athlete. And then there's just this natural playmaking instinct within him. I I think he just knows how to generate offense, whether that's with his legs, extending a play, hitting a throw. I mean, he's, he's, there's just, there's just something about him. There's something natural about him. Now, obviously, the size and, you know, his one year of starting experience is, a major concern and don't necessarily love the way he's handled himself or, you know, throughout his decision making process with football or baseball and how he's kind of been uh, with media. So, I mean, there's some, there's some red flags there for sure, but 
I just feel like there's a ceiling here, especially with the way the league's trending for him to find an opportunity to allow him to be himself, uh, which is something the NFL is more open to than ever before. And um, I think he gives you a chance. And and so certainly the most interesting. And, you know, if he was if he was what, six foot, would we even be questioning him as the number one overall pick? And, and so um, he's going to be a fun case study here, but certainly gives you the highest ceiling and the most intrigue and the most natural playmaking instincts of any quarterback in this year's crop. All right. So top to bottom, I'm just going to read off the names. Joe, you'll do the same. We'll mention our table pounders and then we'll go running backs and we'll institute do shot clock for analysis so right. that we're not keeping the folks for 45 minutes here. Uh, Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, Will Greer are my top five. Those are the only quarterbacks that I have in the top 100 on my board. Uh, Brett Rippon, QB6, Gardner Minshew, QB7, Jordan Tamu, QB8, Easton Stick, QB9, Tyree Jackson, QB10, Ryan Finley, 11, Jared Stidham, 12, Trace McSorley, 13, Jake Browning, 14, Clayton Thorson, 15. I've got it. Uh, Kyler Murray, one, Dwayne Haskins, two, Drew Locke, three, Daniel Jones, four, Jordan Tiamu, five, Jarrett Stidham is six, Will Greer, seven, Tyree Jackson, eight, Ryan Finley, nine, Brett Rippon, 10, Easton Stick, 11, Clayton Thorson, 12, Trace McSorley, 13, Kyle Shermer from Vanderbilt, 14, and Gardner Minshew at 15. Wow. Hated Gardner, huh? I did. Yeah, there's no question about it. I don't see a path, man. I just don't. But uh, he's um, fun. Fun college player. I think he's got a little bit more arm talent than what he showcased. I think he was just kind of mentally chasing that <laughs> that offense a lot of times, kind of looked overwhelmed. Uh, the guy I'm pounding the table for on day three is Brett Rippon. He's QB6 for me. I have a fourth-round grade on him. He's 101 on the board. I think at the absolute worst, you're getting a rock-solid backup quarterback for his entire career. I do think he can be a spot starter. Uh, I think his arm's a little bit better than he gets credit for. I love the way he moves his eyes. Uh, size and stature is a big concern for me there. He's uh, shade under 6'2", and uh, not carrying the most weight. He doesn't have the thickest frame, and he's not mobile like Kyler Murray to, to really extend plays. He could do boots and rollouts and get outside the pocket and throw the ball fairly well, but he's not a player who's built to take a pounding if he's within the pocket. But uh, if you're only going to use him as a backup quarterback, or if you're going to use him in an offense that utilizes a lot of quick game and you can minimize those QB hits, I think Rippon's got a really, really nice arm and he's underrated. Uh, For me, I'm going to pound the table on day three for Easton stick and trace McSorley as the next Taysom Hills. Jesus. What a loophole. Maybe even Eric Dungy, throw him into the mix. Uh, no, I mean, my, my, my day four or my day three, I have, the, I have a fourth round grade on Tiamu, and I've talked about him already. And so he would probably be the right answer. I just, I didn't want to duplicate that. You know me, I've kind of had a spot for Jarrett Stidham, and I know that maybe uh, you want to unfollow me on Twitter for that. But uh, <laughs> I just think that there's at least baseline <laughs> ability in terms of a back a backup here i mean he throws some pretty balls man down the field the really clean mechanics um he's got some athletic ability to him and i mean obviously he's, he's really folds under pressure and he didn't he didn't rise to any occasion at all ever in his career and you know all that stuff's kind of concerning but i i think that you know if you give him some time you might be happy with him as your backup quarterback um you gotta do running backs first all right 
shifting gears to running backs. Mm-hmm. Pulling it up. All right, my I was starting with RB five, right? <laughs> your list, your list. We're trying to record a pot. We're literally sorry. Working. Sorry. All right. I just I thought it was had my mic muted. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, RB five for me. David Montgomery from Iowa State. Nice. Uh, he's your he's your thunder, right? I mean, he's the he's the guy that's gonna be downhill, great body control, balance, uh, breaks through co- contact regularly. I think he catches the football well. Um, and and you, there's just big concessions that you take there in terms of explosiveness and elusive ability. But you know, if I'm looking for that complimentary power back, and David Montgomery in the third or fourth round would be a very attractive option. Uh, I can't get off the the Dave Montgomery Tevin Coleman thing that we talked about on the pod the other day. I really really yeah. like that role for yeah, him. I that's, think that, that's a that's a home run role for him. Yep. Uh, my RB five is Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic, sixty uh, fifth overall player on the board. Uh, he's a bowling ball. He's built low to the ground. He's not super explosive, but his feet are so active, and it really allows him to have this great contact balance. And uh, he's constantly shedding would-be tacklers in the open field um i'm a big fan of him in an inside zone type concept where that step frequency can show up i don't think he's got the pacing to really press outside zone with great success at the pro level but uh i do trust his vision and i like his contact balance and and how low to the ground he's built I think he could be a primary ball carrier at the next level. So uh, third round grade, 65 overall for Devin Singletary. My RB4 is Damian Harris from Alabama. Just kind of a very consistent player across the board. I mean, he's going to catch the football just fine. He'll pass protect. He's a banger between the tackles. He sees the field really well. Uh, He's quicker than fast. And so I I do think that there's some moments where he can really accelerate quickly and, and, and angle away from tacklers, uh, sees the field cleanly. And, and I just think he's just so solid across the board and he's been that way for several years now for Alabama I just feel like you know exactly what you're getting and so maybe he doesn't give you that true home run ability uh as a lead back but I mean I just think he's as solid as they come a lot of pace a lot of good nuance to the way that he attacks defenses and I just can you imagine him just not being at least a solid running back on the next level so he's my RB4 okay so my RB4 is 60 overall on the board also have a third round grade on this player uh Justice Hill from Oklahoma State, guy who blew the doors off the combine, ran four four flat, and really explosive numbers. And I actually thought he was better in twenty seventeen than he was in twenty eighteen. Joe, uh, I thought his the offense that they ran at Oklahoma State, uh, you could tell it was drastically different without Mason Rudolph there and James Washington there and. Uh, I think with that, that extra space, if you're a team that likes to space people out, Justice Hill's going to be a back for you. And that's what's just interesting for, with me for all of these backs because they each have kind of specific roles that I would like them in. And Justice Hill, for me, I want him in outside zone. I don't want him trying to run between the tackles with great frequency. He's not over 200 pounds. I want him in space. You know, he's a guy that can can probably do some some kick stuff with you in special teams as well. I want to try and work on the ball in the screen game, but generally speaking, I just really like his explosive playmaking, his open field vision, 
and I thought he ran a lot tougher. Like he's what people wanted Bryce Love to be, as far as like explosive home run hitter that can like break some tackles and has some urgency to how he carries the football. I think that's Justice Hill, and he's not going to be for everybody. And if you like to pound the rock, he's not going to be for you. But if you like to to stress angles and get defenders moving laterally instead of coming downhill at you and, and win angles with speed that way. Justice Hill is going to be a great option for you. Man, I like Justice Hill. I'm jealous that I didn't fit him into my top five. Um, well, I actually had Montgomery for me was six and Damian Harris was seven. So. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because my six and seven are Devin Singletary and Justice Hill. So how about there that? There you go. Uh, let's see if we have some common ground here in the top three. Uh, RB3 for me, Daryl Henderson, running back from Memphis. Um, it's funny because – he just wasn't the player I was expecting to see on film. I, you know, I'd, I'd watched some Memphis games and certainly saw a lot of his highlights. But when I took the deep dive, I was expecting a guy that was a little bit leaner, more explosive guy that just kind of outran people. And what I got was a guy with really good contact balance that I just was not expecting that to be a big part of why he was successful. And um, I think th- what pushes him down a little bit for me is that I think he's a little bit hit or, hit or miss with his vision. Obviously, a lot of light boxes there for Memphis, and, and he was in a shared role. And so he was really always kind of fresh attacking light boxes, and he, it really led to, obviously, his outstanding production. And so just feel like sometimes he, he expected almost to get a 100-yard run every time he touched the ball, and that made, to some, made some decisions that I think were, were sometimes poor with the football. Um, but, you know, he does give you a lot of those explosive elements that you would expect. I uh, like his footwork, uh, really good in terms of planting outside his frame and being aggressive with his cuts. He mo- strings together moves very effectively. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think he does have a lot of upside and maybe he could be a lead back in a certain situation. But, you know, I, I just I, I think there's a, some stylistic changes he'll have to make at the next level to take advantage of what he does well. Yeah, I think he's going to have a pretty similar progression to like what we've seen from Marlon Mack so far in Indianapolis coming out of South Florida, right? Where Mack wanted to bounce everything. So all he wanted to do is bounce runs outside. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to just like tuck that up in there and get six yards. Yeah. You know, and Mack really struggled his rookie year. He averaged 3.8 yards per carry, uh, but he had 4.7 yards per carry and nine, nine rushing touchdowns. Uh, 908 yards on 195 carries this past year for Indianapolis. So I could see where you're coming from that regard. Now, my my running back three is Josh Jacobs, which I know you're probably going to throw something at me uh, for this. But I have a second-round grade on Josh Jacobs. I like his tape. He runs angry, right? He's very thick, very dense. He's like one of the last players that I would want to see coming through the gap and I'm the last line of defense, and he's got a full head of steam, and I'm sitting 12 yards off the ball, and I know I have to try and tackle him. Uh, obviously, some, some of the concerns of the production and the usage, and I thought there were some consistency issues with him as well. I was hoping to get a little bit more physical effort from him in pass protection than what I got. Uh, the, the reps that I saw in pass pro from him were kind of passive, which surprised me for a guy that's so physical as a runner. Uh, so it's just a little bit of an attitude adjustment there, I think. And, and that's not to say he has a bad attitude about it, but getting him to be more assertive in those situations, I think will go a long way. And uh, the, just the, the two guys that I have above him were guys that I thought gave me more dynamics all around on all three downs, which is why Josh 
ended up being RB3 for me, uh, 57th overall my draft board. My RB2 is Miles Sanders from Penn State. Um, stashed behind Saquon Barkley for a few seasons, then he took over in 2018 and really had a great season for Penn State. I think he does everything. Uh, I mean, I, he gives you those power elements. He gives you those elusive traits. He pass protects. He catches the football. Uh, can win inside and outside. And and so uh, I really like his skill set. I think he's one of those true multifaceted guys that project as a lead back in the NFL. And there's not many of those in this year's class. Now, the one thing I do need to to get taken care of here with Sanders is the fumbling issue. I think he has something like five fumble. He had five fumbles last year. And um, he's just you can just tell by the way he handles the ball. He's just a little bit too loose with it. And so the good news is like other players have been able to overcome that and make those problems disappear. But Sanders needs to, because that's, you know, that's a killer if you, if you cough up the football. So I think he's gives you baseline ability, actually plus ability across the board and every trait that you're looking for. And um, you know, really, really proved his playmaking ability this, this past year. Now he's a little bit, he has a little bit of that, uh, that Daryl Henderson to him as well, that I kind of see him, <clears throat> occasionally ignoring, you know, a crease right in front of him, kind of taking those side doors that aren't always available to him uh, looking for, for, you know, to make those big plays. And, and that's something that we actually saw that from Saquon a little bit too. So I'm not going to like harp on that too much, but that was something that I did notice on his film. But yeah, RB2 for me, if you miss out on J- Josh Jacobs, who's clearly RB1, then you have a nice consolation prize in Miles Sanders. Well, you did a really nice job summarizing RB2 Miles Sanders. So I'm just going to say I agree with you, Joe. He's 55 on my overall board and running back to Miles Sanders. RB1, Josh Jacobs. Um, I, I, I just love his style, man. I think he's super competitive. And the way that he finishes runs – just love it, man. He, he he's if you want, if you think he's going out of bounds, he's not. He's gonna fucking plow you over. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that. You are now, yeah. Uh, that was bad. Um, so yeah, I think he gives you the size that I'm looking for. He catches the football, uh, inside outside ability. I love that he's entering the league with very little wear and tear on his frame. I mean, people want to say, well, he wasn't RB one for Alabama. Well. Uh, neither was Alvin Kamara, and uh, that's that seems to be just fine. I like that he has that low usage. I've got enough reps on film to understand what type of player he is and what he can do. So if you extrapolate those traits, you've got a really nice player across the board. And and, and for me, let's go. Let's get him. Let's let him be our bell cow and and uh, and anchor our running attack. I love when Joe drops f bombs on the show. It happens like twice a year. So it gets me fired it's up. fitting. It's fitting for that. Okay. RB1 is Daryl Henderson, Joe. Sorry. Um, so uh, I lost I lost all shock appeal here because somebody left us that bad review and, <laughs> and complained that I didn't reveal who running back one was when he came up like a month ago. And I told us the next day. So um, what what smart-ass comment did you have there? Is our, our, our respective RB3s are the other person's RB1. It's kind of interesting. Yes, and we all have the same top seven. It's oh, the same just a different order. Guys, just a different order. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So that's fun. Um, I guess I'll read through my full list. We've, we've kind of su- summarized all these guys pretty well. Uh, Henderson, Sanders, Jacobs, Justice Hill, Devin Singletary are one through five. Montgomery is six. Damian Harris is seven. Divine Zigbo is eight. Benny Snell is nine. Travion Williams is ten. Alexander Madison from Boise is 11, Rodney Anderson 12, Elijah Holyfield 13, 
Miles Gaskin, 14, Alec Barnes, 15, Karan Higdon, 16, Ryquel Armstead, 17, Mike Weber, 18, Bryce Love, 19, LJ Scott, 20, Darwin Thompson, 21, Jordan Scarlett, 22, James Williams, 23, Alec Ingold, fullback from Wisconsin, 24. All right, ready? Here we go. I'll rip through mine. Uh, one is Josh Jacobs. Two is Miles Sanders. Three is Daryl Henderson. Four is Damian Harris. Five is David Montgomery. Six, Devin Singletary. Seven, Justice Hill. Eight, Mike Weber. Nine, Rodney Anderson. Ten, Alex Barnes. Eleven, Elijah Holyfield. Twelve, James Williams. Thirteen, Dexter Williams. Fourteen, Travis Homer. Fifteen, Divine Zigbo. Sixteen, Benny Snell. Seventeen, Miles Gaskin. Eighteen, Alexander Madison. 19, Ryquel Armstead, 20, Bruce Anderson, 21, Travion Williams, 22, Darwin Thompson, 23, Karan Higdon, 24, Bryce Love, 25, Jalen Moore, 26, Tony Pollard, 27, Kadri Olsen, finally 28, Jordan Scarlett. Too many running backs this year. I felt there was like legit six guys. I'm like, damn, I'm going to leave this guy off the list. Yeah, I wish I could have got. There's some guys I really wanted to get to, like uh, that Kareth White from FAU. I wanted to do Darren Hall yeah. from Pitt. I mean, but I'm like, how many can I possibly do? <laughs> so the guy, I'm surprised Trayvon Williams was that low for you. Me too. Me too. I wanted to like him more. Also, Alexander Madison, who is the day three guy, I would pound the table for. Uh, he's he's really fun. Uh, he's got a nice secondary burst to him when he comes up onto the second level uh i really liked what i saw from him as far as how he addresses the first arriving uh defender in space he is the hurdle king i think yeah. i saw him hurdle dudes on like six or seven yeah. different occasions it actually works too year. yeah yeah and he he there was one he hurdled a guy on like the six and landed on the three and then like dragged two guys into the end zone for a touchdown it was He's got really, really fun tape. I think he's got a natural instinct running style, and uh, he's got a, a promising build for a guy that can take some volume as a ball carrier. And the, obviously the concern here is, is playing at Boise State. The speed of the game is a little bit different when you're going up against top competition, and they, they really dictated terms to a lot of teams up front, so he didn't have to make chicken salad too much. So that's that's kind of my unknowns with him, but I think he's just got a really nice natural running ability. I like him a lot too. Um, mine is I was man, you do not like the guy that I'm going to say. I have Mike Weber. He was like 18th on your list. I had a five on him. It's not like I okay. didn't like him. All it's right. just like I thought he was. He tested better than I thought he would too. Yeah, so there's that. I, I just I, I just really appreciated what what I saw when I watched his film. I mean, he's been productive for the last three years for Ohio State and. Uh, I think he's pretty nuanced with the way he carries the football, uh, sees the field clean, good pace, rhythm, and balance in the way he presses the line of scrimmage, like his spatial awareness. I think he gives you all the tools that you need in terms of being a pass blocker and catching the football. Uh, and I just think like he's as boringly solid as you can get as, an, as a running back prospect and um, think he'll be a day three guy that winds up you know, carving out potentially a top two role for a team. So I just, I, I mean, maybe it was just one of those deals where I'm watching all these guys and I'm getting through, you know, some of these lower tier prospects and I got to Mike Weber's tape and I'm like, wow, that's an NFL runner. And, and so I grew an appreciation for him. And, and sometimes I think we, this happens with guys that have been like staples on teams for a while. We get a little bored with them, but I, I think that's what's so appealing with Mike Weber is that he's boringly solid. I think he's just going to be a good pro. There you have it folks. The backs are done quarterbacks 
running backs. It only took us 40 minutes. <laughs> so we did okay. We got to tighten up the screws a little bit, but we'll get it cleaned up for wide receivers and tight ends on tomorrow's show. Uh, make sure you swing over to the draftnetwork.com. We have a lot of great stuff coming out. Joe just put out his offensive tackle rankings. If you want spoilers for Monday's offensive line show, uh, as I said, the 2019 NFL draft prospectus is there. It's 328 pages, 300 scouting reports. It's all the same reports that are on the website, but it's compiled into one document. That's really easy for you guys to consume. If you want to have something that you can flip through on draft day. So also before we let you guys go, I do have some really exciting news. Uh, we are doing a 2019 NFL Draft show. We have mentioned this before, but we have ourselves some friends who wanted to to be a part of the show. So the 2019 NFL Draft show from the Draft Network is being presented by Under Armour Rush. Uh, really excited and, and thrilled, really, to have Under Armour uh, step in and showcase their new Rush line of athletic wear. Uh, we'll have some more information for you guys on tomorrow's show about the Under Armour Rush line specifically. It's it's rolling out today. And uh, so in the meantime, why don't you guys Google it, check it out, and ask yourself, what would you do with an extra 1%? Kyle Krabs at Grinding Tape signing off with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.